The Daily Rios for Wednesday, July 18, 2012. New Comics Wednesday. After the last two episodes, I figured, why not jump into some comic talk for those people who are actually listening to this podcast for that. I've assaulted your ears quite enough this week with uh, other ramblings. So let's jump in with some comics talk. First off, I actually want to just quick mention that I've read two new books that I was initially excited about. There's kind of this surge in sci-fi, space opera, apocalyptic genre in some comics coming out lately. Obviously, Saga from Image by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples, which right now is the benchmark for me. There were two other books that I had seen in previous way back that I was anticipating their release, and I've finally read them. And I just want to give my thoughts on them real quick before I actually jump into what's coming out today in comic stores. The first one is The Massive from Dark Horse. This is by Brian Wood, Christian Donaldson, and Dave Stewart. If you don't know what this book is, I'll give you a quick little rundown from the Dark Horse website. It says here, In a post-war, post-crash, post-disaster, post-everything world, the environmental action trawler Capital scours the Earth's oceans for its mysteriously missing sister ship, the Massive. Captain Callum Israel, a man who has dedicated his life to the ocean, now must ask himself, as our planet dies, what it means to be an environmentalist after the world's ended. Callum and his crew will come up against pirates, rebels, murderers, and thieves as they struggle to remain noble toward their cause. Can you save a planet that's already doomed? Brian Wood is starting this series off the end of his DMZ run on Vertigo, and Kristen Donaldson was his collaborator on Supermarket, a book from ITW. So the premise initially captured my eye. I thought I would enjoy it. I read it, and I probably will give it a few more issues. I'm not as enamored with it as I thought I might be. It's a bit cold. It's a bit. It feels a bit safe. And the only time I really thought I got some real emotional punch was in all the various descriptions when Brian Wood was talking about what was going on with the Earth, a lot of the flashbacks, a lot of the en- environmental disasters, the environmental collapse, basically, of this world uh, around his core cast of characters. The characters themselves didn't get much from... Uh, you can tell there's some backstory, and there's obviously... They, they play certain roles, but where that goes... I wasn't as interested in that just yet. And the obvious mystery the, of, of the Massive being missing and how they're searching for it and where they're searching for it, how it shows up in radar echo- echoes and then disappears on them and why that's happening. Some of that is interesting. And there's a lot of backstory. There's a lot of content once you're done reading the initial 22 or 23 pages. But it almost seems like it's too much, so much information to try to get in. And this, I, I, it left me feeling a little distant And I love extra content, and I I love world-building, but I wasn't so in love with it with this first issue. It it obviously has some craft to it. It has some thought behind it. There's some larger ideas that you can tell he's playing with. But all in all, I, I wasn't as engrossed in it as I was. Say, even his first DMZ. I'll probably give it a few more issues just to see if it'll grow on me, just to see if it's uh, something I'm, uh, I want to stick with or th- that, will, that will stay with me in terms of the, the idea of what it's trying to say. Even the artwork felt a little, a little straight, a little bit too 
cut out on the page. Some of that could be the coloring. It could just be too much of a wash at points and 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 not enough variation. So, you know, so not a, not a bad book by any stretch of the imagination, just not something that's capturing capturing me right now. Now, the other book I read, which I also was looking forward to, is Planetoid number 1 from Image Comics. It's a five-issue miniseries by Ken Garing. Now, this baby, 299, uh, was all 32 pages, all 32 pages of story. So it was, a, it was a thick read. It was a nice, lengthy read. Very nice artwork. Uh, raw, if not exactly experienced. Uh, I think the backgrounds of the industrial designs of the planet are, are very spot on. And then when you get to some of the figure drawings and some of the faces, those show a little bit of an experience. And I don't mean that necessarily, necessarily in a bad way, just that uh, there's some obvious thought behind the artwork and influences and energy that I really appreciate. Now, the story of Planetoid, I'll read here. It says, Silas, an ex-soldier turned space pirate, finds himself stranded on a mysterious planet in alien territory. As he explores the long-abandoned industrial ruins of the planet's surface, he will have to fend off rogue mechanical creatures, roving cyborg militias, and a hostile alien military with a bounty on his head. Silas will have to rely on resourcefulness and bare-bones survival tactics in order to stay alive and ultimately unlock the secrets of a planet where survival is a luxury and escape an impossibility. It sounds like it has a lot of generic, cliché, sci-fi trappings. And there are some of those things. And it's, it's not wholly unoriginal, but the way he decides to tell the story... I enjoyed a lot, and I, I got captured in it. And as I said, it's a 32 pages of all story. And there are some sequences that are completely dialogue-free, and yet I had a great time just looking at the artwork and seeing what he was bringing to the page and, and uh, exploring the new world, not only through the main character, but just for myself, art and design-wise. It leaves you with some questions about the planet itself, the small society that he bumps that he will eventually bump into, who the main character is himself, Silas, what the larger picture is throughout the world, throughout the world that Ken Garing is creating, uh, throughout the galaxy even. There's interesting world building going on that, that I appreciated. And it almost reminded me just in some of the some of the way the story builds. Reminds me a bit of Wasteland by Anthony Johnston over at Oni Press. Meeting this new world, this new landscape through the eyes of the main character. And the questions that come up and the characters that they meet. There's some similarities, again, not, not, not trying to compare them or anything like that. But reading Planetoid gave me the feeling of how, what, what I felt like when I read Wasteland. So it's an interesting story. I, I really dug it. I read an interview with the creator, and he says he has five issues planned, and his influences are uh, he, people like Richard Corbin and Otomo and Mobius and the Frank Miller's Ronin series, which I really liked. And when he said that, it kind of clicked a little bit with some of that technology, the landscape being taken over by technology and science and all that. So when he said that, it it kind of rang true to me, and, and I could see that in, in the work. Uh, neither of them really stuck with me on that first issue read the way Saga did, but uh, out of the two, Planetoid definitely gets a thumbs up for me uh, and a high recommendation. Massive gets a rec recommendation as well. It may take a little longer for that story to, to start to build, 
and Pulse. And I think with people who are familiar with Brian Wood's work, they might give him a pass on that and, and try to let the story build a little bit before they really decide on whether or not it's a book they want to follow. Whereas if you, I guess if you've never read Brian Wood and you have the same thoughts that I did about the first issue, maybe you're already out. I don't know. Let me know if anybody has read either of those books. Both of those books, uh, the second issue has shipped already, and we're getting ready to get the third issue from both of those series. So uh, I'll see how much further I stick. Obviously, Planetoid, I'm going to stick with all five issues. Massive, I may go one or two more, and then I'll see what I think. Satisfy your literary cravings at bookwormbanquet.com. Brought to you by Radio CSF Media. Your source for family-centered content. Join your hosts, J.D. and Nicole, as they review family-friendly literature. The book we're going to talk about today is called Hope Rising, The Water's Roar, a book called An Eye for Glory, compelling author interviews, talking with Carl Bacon, our interview with Kim Meter. When did you begin writing? Has it always been a passion of yours? Do you ever ask yourself why why you do this? And as always, the enlightening fun fact. We're going to jump right into it. And now it's time for Nicole's Bookworm Fact. Oh, yes. I'm very excited about today's Bookworm Fact. Well, I think that is all we have for you this time. If you would like to get in touch with us, there's several ways you can do that. First and foremost, you can check out our website, bookwormbanquet.com. 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 So what's on the shelves today that you should be looking for? Or if you get your books online, if there's something in here that sounds interesting, by all means, check out your online comic provider or send them an email and say, hey, can you add this to my list? First up, we have Concrete from Dark Horse. Three uneasy pieces. It's a one-shot collecting three stories from Dark Horse Presents, which is a great comic anthology series if you're a fan of anthology series or if you're a fan of just great creators. You should really start picking up Dark Horse Presents. I think they're up about issue 14 right now. This is Concrete, Paul Chadwick's Concrete, and it says here one of the medium's all-time greats is back. Three new adventures, the most human of heroes intervenes in a burglary that turns out to be much more, investigates a possible sighting of the aliens who gave him his rocky body, and develops an alternative to the taser himself. This issue strikes the per perfect balance of inviting stories for new readers and character development for longtime fans. Now, the idea behind this is that the character of Concrete, the human that uh, he originally was, and I believe he was a political speechwriter, he gets trapped in this rocky body, and then the story goes from there. It feels like the premise of Blue Devil meets The Thing meets Zot. <laughs> something along those lines, if that's of any interest to anybody. So get it, this is a, it's only $3, and it might steer you into some other things, either more concrete or Dark Horse Presents or whatever. So check that book out. From IDW, not something that is majorly of interest to me, but maybe somebody out there might find interest in this, the Danger Girl G.I. Joe 104 crossover series, with covers obviously by J. Scott Campbell, who was the creator of Danger Girl, and who I believe also did the covers for G.I. Joe when it was reborn through Image years back. I think it went from Image to then Devil's Due and then to IDW. I think that was the track record, some something like that path. And J. Scott Campbell did the covers for that, because this cover for this book looks like it was straight out of whenever that 
and whenever he was doing the covers for G.I. Joe for Image. If you didn't know that was out, check it out. Maybe if either of those two properties interest you, they're now all in one. Next up from Fanographics, The Adventures of Venus by Gilbert Hernandez. This is a hardcover, 90, over 90 pages, black and white. And this is something that you they're touting as uh, all ages. A rare foray into all ages work, The Adventures of Venus was Gilbert Hernandez's contribution to the kids' anthology, Measles. He collects all the previously uncollected stories from Measles in which Luba's niece creates and collects comic books, walks through a scary forest, plays soccer, schemes to get the cute boy she likes, laments the snowlessness of a California Christmas, catches measles, and travels to a distant planet. Okay, the last one may be a dream. Plus a new story done just for this book. There you go, all ages work from one of the Hernandez brothers, and sounds like something that maybe if you have a younger reader in your life, might be an interesting book to hand to them, to get them interested in comics or comic storytelling. So, Fanographics, it's only uh, $9.99, The Adventures of Venus. From Hill and Wang, Macmillan, we have Not the Israel My Parents Promised Me by Harvey Picar. This is the final graphic memoir of Harvey Picar, where he explores what it means to be Jewish and what Israel means to the Jews. Picar grew up a staunch supporter of the Jewish state, but soon he found himself questioning the very beliefs and ideals of his parents. He interweaves his increasing disillusionment with the modern state of Israel with a comprehensive history of the Jewish people from biblical times to the present and the result is a personal and historic odyssey of uncommon power I have never read anything by Harvey Picar uh, as far as I can tell certainly none of his American Splendor books and it's a shame because uh, you know he we, we lost him as a creator a couple years back and he um, obviously has something to say now the American Splendor movie is fantastic i loved that movie but i've never actually got into a lot of the comic work so i thought it was important to give a spotlight to this book coming out today from bongo comics radioactive man hardcover volume one radioactive repository basically a collection of stories from the simpsons superhero character radioactive man and his sidekick fallout boy if you're a fan of Simpsons comics, if you're a fan of Radioactive Man, here's a great collection to get a lot of that stuff. If you've never read it before, from what I understand, it's really fun stuff. Uh, so here's a nice collection for anybody who might be interested in that. Two more here. We have the Stuff of Legend Omnibus hardcover from Volume 1 from Third World Studios by Brian Smith and Charles Paul Wilson. This hardcover collection brings together the first two volumes in one 260-page edition. As Allied forces fight the enemy on Europe's war-torn beaches, another battle begins in a child's bedroom in Brooklyn when the nightmarish boogeyman snatches a boy and takes him to the realm of the dark. The child's playthings, led by the toy soldier known as the Colonel, band together to stage a daring rescue. On their perilous mission, they will confront the boy's bitter and forgotten toys, as well as betrayal in their own ranks. The Stuff of Legend is a haunting and ultimately redemptive tale of loyalty, camaraderie, and perseverance. Take everything you love about the artwork of, say, Mouse Guard, and, and even a little bit of Scotty Young, not quite, but a lot of his Oz books, and mix it with some of the premise or some of the fascinating stuff that was going on in Joe the Barbarian, and you have stuff stuff of legend. 
dare I call it all ages, I know there's some stuff in it that's kind of dark, but I think it's all ages, you know, especially if you're reading it with a younger reader. So here, here's an omnibus that uh, could be worth your attention if you see it at a store, you know, flip through it and see if, see if you like it. And lastly, for pure, silly, Silver Age, sci-fi, DC 50s comics, how can you go wrong with Showcase Presents Rip Hunter Time Master Volume 1? This collects various stories from Showcase comics and also from his actual Rip Hunter Time, Hunt, Time Master series. You got artwork by people like Joe Kubert, Ross Andrew, Nick Cardi, Alex Toth, all black and white. These aren't going to be so easy to find in individual issues, so here they are collected as a whole. Quite a lot of fun, the few stories that I've read. Silly, classic sci-fi monster stuff. It's not going to change your world when you read it, but you might have a lot of fun reading it. So check that out from DC Comics. And lastly, I know I've talked about it a little bit here on the show, and certainly on Twitter and elsewhere. Denver Comic Con has announced their 2013 dates. The show will be May 31st, June 1st, and June 2nd of 2013 at the Colorado Convention Center. Featured guest Stan Lee will be there. So if you have any interest to go to Denver Comic Con, you now have the dates. Book them. Put them aside. If you're a creator, start gathering info for this show. They had 25,000 people walk through their door over a course of a weekend. Katie Cook, popular webcomics creator, Star Wars artist, she said she had the best opening day of a con ever at that show at that time. And Friday's show, the opening day, was only about four or five hours. So that's saying a lot. And a lot of creators said they were really stoked about the show. Denver Comic Con, May 31st, June 1st, June 2nd. Go and support this show. It is an amazing show put on by people who love comics and who are trying to spread the good word of comics to a younger crowd by having a lot of activities for the kids there. They're into this whole literacy thing, literacy through comics, and uh, it's just a great venture. So uh, keep looking for more information. You can go to denvercomiccon.com or facebook.com slash denvercomiccon. That's it for today's episode. Thanks again for listening and for all the feedback. I appreciate everything everybody's been saying about the show and helping to spread the word. I will talk to you tomorrow.